This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast where we are recording the latest I think we have ever recorded when it was not a post-game podcast, Sean, uh, for good reason though, because Penn State surprised us with a pickup, not for the 2022 recruiting class, not for the 2023 recruiting class, but for 2021 plans. That's right. Hello, Jordan Vandenberg, committed upon getting offered by Penn State Tuesday, visiting campus. He's a junior college defensive lineman. And as you first reported, Sean, shortly after this commitment, he will be joining the team this month. <laughs> yeah, it's a very quick uh, question and answer there. Vandenberg came in on a visit on Tuesday. Penn State um, had been tracking him for a while. This is a kid that really burst onto the scene. He was a freshman at Iowa Western, was an all-conference pick as a defensive lineman, went to Nebraska, worked out, got an offer, went to Iowa, worked out, got an offer. I just assumed he was going to turn around and commit to Iowa. I mean, his name is Jordan Vanderberg, which to me sounds just like a, an Iowa defensive lineman. Um, actually, our Iowa site kind of felt felt the same way. Um, so we had them check this morning, actually, to see if he actually made the trip. He did. Uh, it didn't take long. Penn State worked him out, was very, very impressed with his workout. I don't, I, I've heard from three separate people since this commitment happened how impressive this, uh, this defensive line workout was for Jordan Vanderberg. Uh, offered him on the spot, committed on the spot, and boom. I mean, done and dusted. That was that was quick. It was one of those surprising commitments, but because this guy walked into his trip or his visit without an offer, it was it was kind of out of left field. Uh, it's uh, it, it was moved faster than a lot of a lot of, but with good reason. As we said, he's going to enroll this weekend. He's going to join the team for the 2021 cycle. This is kind of fascinating because even though he did play this spring at Iowa Western he still retains his eligibility because that didn't count. That didn't count for anybody at, at the college level, at junior college level. That's why guys like Tyrese Mills have four years to play three. Uh, Penn State just offered an offensive lineman from Lackawanna. J.B. Nelson still got four years to, th- to play three. So that changes the game a little bit for junior college players. So basically, you're bringing him, him in as a 2021 recruit despite that experience at the junior college level with 2021 eligibility. So he's got five full years to play four. So that's I mean, that's a bonus right there. You're bringing in a guy with a, a year of some level of college experience with the rest of your freshmen and whether or not he uses that red shirt still very much up in the air, but uh, it's, it's just an interesting position to find yourself in a, a week before the second summer session. Uh, yeah, you have Jordan Vandenberg played spring ball at Iowa Western Community College, and you have Rodney McGraw, who had spring practice with the Penn State Denny Lions as an early enrollee, and now they're going to be in the same room in the same eligibility standpoint. 
one year apart in the high school graduation, but that's the way it shapes up because of the NCAA structure. Um, what an interesting path for this young man. It's a, it's a player who, who was born in South Africa, moved to the United States at 10 years old. You documented this in, in the article you put up after he committed, um, ends up in Georgia, then ends up at Iowa Western Community College just in the past year, Sean. So how does he go from the point where I'm looking at his 24-7 sports profile right now when he was at Providence Christian Academy in Georgia. There is no rating. There is no ranking. There are no offers. And now he's committing to what looks to be one of the premier programs in the Big Ten for his entire career. What do we make of this journey? It's really fascinating because he was a high school linebacker. I mean, this wasn't even a kid that went to to junior college to play the position that he played in high school. Um, really, as he told our Nebraska site last week, he bet on himself. He walked on at Iowa Western and all of a sudden just kind of blew up. And 6'3", 280 pounds, uh, ran the 40 and 475 today for Penn State. So uh, 20 tackles and one sack in five games at Iowa Western. And and he did that that workout today, had a little bit, a little bit of a knee in. Uh, issue that hampered him through his other workouts, but still Iowa saw enough to, uh, to, to offer him. Nebraska saw enough to offer him. So uh, just really fascinating rise. I mean, this kind of comes out of nowhere and, you know, for, for all the the feeling bad we did for the junior college kids at uh, uh, during, during COVID and <laughs> not being able to play all of a sudden you've got two in this cl- or excuse me, two commitments in the last month from junior college players, albeit in different classes. And uh, it seems to be working out pretty well for them. So yeah, it's, it, it's pretty fascinating how quickly this one came onto the radar. But as I said, that workout must've been something because the, that that's all the buzz right now. And uh, pretty, pretty crazy to think that he'll be coming in. And and you think about what Penn state did in the 2021 class um, obviously did not fill all of their spots. This was a, you know, kind of a spot that they earmarked for a guy like George Rooks who ended up at Michigan um, who Penn state thought was going to sign in the early signing period. He did not. Um, and then all of a sudden you're feeling, you're still getting that defensive tackle with the same amount of eligibility, but it looks like he's a little bit further developed than some of those classmates. So I think that's really, as things go, this is a great way to end the, the, the dead period. Cause we, I think we've seen a little bit of everything in that 2021 class. So why not tack on a junior college kid who just kind of, kind of came out of nowhere, came in, worked out, used the new workout rules. Uh, that's probably another overlooked aspect of this. Use the new workout rules to, to his advantage and has really made the most of it. So yeah, if your head's not spinning after that one, I, I don't know what to tell you. He's in the same high school class for 2020 uh, that produced a couple four-star composite Penn State signings at the position, Cole Brevard, Kaziah Izzard. Uh, you also had Fatorma Mulba in that class um, for Penn State. And we talked about it. Defensive tackle has a lot of bodies there and a lot of eligibility left in the tank for Penn State. You add another one here. Sean, expectations. I know that we're still trying to come to terms with with what happened today and, and what Penn State saw and very clearly an impressive performance. You mentioned some of the testing numbers there, but all we have is a few games at, uh, at the junior college level at this point. Um, and, and we also have what we've heard about from camp. Uh, to me, it's, it's hard to project him making an impact on the field this fall, but I, I don't know much about the guy. I'll be honest with you as we sit down and record. Yeah, I watched a little bit of his film, but I mean, it's it, I'm I'm not going to go out and, and say that I know a ton about this kid. And uh, it's really I I think it, you you hear junior college and you think okay, you're bringing in a guy that's a little bit more mature. You're bringing in a guy that's ready to go. 
this guy is still basically at the tail end of his freshman year. So it's not exactly one of those cut and dry Juco situations, not that they're ever cut and dry. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really expect him to step right in and be a guy that can plug gaps, especially with, with the numbers that they have ahead of him at, at defensive tackle. So um, this is probably a typical, you know, typical develop developing guy. I mean, if he redshirts this year, it wouldn't be, all that surprising, 6'3", 280. So as Big Ten defensive tackles go, a little bit undersized there, but he'll certainly have room to put that on. So um, it's just uh, – it's very curious how this works out. And and you look at uh, kind of how they've balanced their numbers and um, you, you have a few scholarships left open for that 2021 class where you can get a guy in right away. You can have him join the program. And, you know, if you feel that he can uh, contribute and you feel that – that those workouts that you saw can can translate into Big Ten play. It, it it makes sense to throw numbers at and and I know defensive tackles kind of a train wreck when we talk about scholarship numbers and things like that. But if you feel good enough about this guy that you're moving on him right away and and making it happen within the span of a week, I think you it says a lot about it. So Penn State has now added five scholarship players to their defensive line for the 2021. Doesn't seem like a big number. This is also John Scott. You know, it's it's been really interesting to see him as a position coach at Penn State without having the access to prospects and the acquisitions. Add this to that list. And here's what they've got now, Sean. You've got senior eligibility for Derek Tangelo at defensive tackle who transferred in from Duke. Arnold Ebikede, who was uh, certainly a buzzy name during spring practice at defensive end, uh, junior eligibility after transferring in from Temple. Then you've got Rodney McGraw, defensive end, who came in as an early enrollee in January. Devon Townley, who was the last addition to this class on signing day, he follows up in a few weeks for his summer enrollment. And now Jordan Vandenberg. You've got three guys with some college experience, Ebikede and, and Tangelo, certainly at the Division One level, much different than a few games at Iowa Western. And then McGraw Townley, uh, you're just, I, I don't find a huge impact when we get past Tangelo and Ebikede. And unless Vandenberg continues this astronomical rise that he's on all of a sudden um, and, and ends up on the football field this, this September, just it's going to be a lot of familiar names there. And then the two older transfers. Well, we hear transfer and, and we think, okay, that's a guy that can come into play right away. And as I said earlier, I don't think Vandenberg is that guy. So um, McGraw still a long way away. I think Dave Montanley probably even further away because uh, McGraw was able to get in and, and have the spring and at least get assimilated to the weight program and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, you're still looking for the 2021 outlook. You're still looking at Ebikete probably as number one, Tangelo is number two, and then a, a sizable gap between the next couple. So not really surprising in terms of, of, instant impact guys. Um, I do see, you know, I know he's, I mentioned he's kind of undersized six, three, two eighty. And that's kind of funny in itself, but um, definitely an interior guy for them in the long run um, athletic, but I don't think you're putting them on the edge and you've got guys like Amin Vanover, um, you know, you got Hakeem Beeman potentially playing out there as well. So I, I don't really see a spot for him to come in and play right away. Um, that's probably the thing that we're going to have to do is shake that junior college label. Cause he's essentially, you know, just a, probably like he he would almost be like a Joseph Darkwa coming in as a as a 19 20 year old freshman or or what have you so he's still got those five years to play for he's got the red shirt if they need it but I mean he's uh he's he's just a little bit further on in his life experience and and here's what I've got as far as freshman eligible defensive tackles on, on this team Sean it's a pretty long list you've got uh Joseph Darkwa uh you've got um 
I'm sorry, Fatoma Molba, Amin Vanover, Devon Ellis, Cole Brevard, uh, Koziah Izzard, and now you add Vandenberg. Uh, just a lot of guys that that have a lot of college football potentially to play ahead of them. And uh, we'll find out soon because Vandenberg arrives on campus and, and this one was a surprise. <laughs> Not going to sugarcoat it. There's a reason we're recording after 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. And there's a reason that Sean Fitz's backyard is, is currently only half mowed. It's actually the front yard. Um, the front yard. The backyard is not mowed at all. Uh, That's even getting, worse, though. I was getting some nice sunset <laughs> mowing in, and then all of a sudden, James Franklin pops up uh, with the <laughs> We Are Better tweet. And yeah, from there, it's kind of a full-blown sprint inside to see what's going on. And luckily, we had some background because we had we had him visiting, and we had looked up some, you know, done some research on him earlier t- uh, today. You know, there was a couple of junior college guys on, on campus. So um, wasn't completely out of left field, but when these, when these offers come and that's the thing we're talking camp offers, um, these unofficial visit workout offers. I mean, there's always the element that somebody can hop on it right away. And, you know, we didn't really, this is not really how we drew it up, but at the same time, um, it's, uh, it's one of the things that makes certainly makes sense in hindsight. So, um, and speaking of which the, there's a little housekeeping to be taken care of in terms of this episode and our next episode this week, we did finally catch up with Andy Frank, uh, this evening. Actually, um, that's kind of why we're recording late anyway. Um, we, we caught up with him for a lengthy conversation. That's actually going to be pushed to the second S- episode this week. This stuff a little bit more timely, especially coming off the big visit weekend. And, and Andy, um, having him on, he can't talk specifics. It's not like we're going to ask him how was Keon Sob's visit. You know, that's that's not the sort of thing that we can ask him. So we're going to push that one to later in the week. Very enlightening conversation with Penn State's uh, director of player personnel. Um, but yes, that's another reason why we're going here at uh, 1030 at night on a Tuesday. Yeah, we couldn't ask him those kind of specific questions. Easy for me to say, but we did ask him a ton of questions and we covered a lot of ground. So look forward to that. Um, sharing with that with you guys a little bit later in the week uh, for, for re- recruiting nerds and junkies out there. Uh, you're going to learn a lot and, and I think you're going to like that conversation. But back to what we just saw take place at Penn State this weekend and in the days that followed, you mentioned Tyrese Mills coming on board as, as a junior college commit in the 2022 cycle. Uh, another Juco guy now, Vandenberg, joining the 2021 class essentially and then another offer out guess what at Lackawanna College in Scranton Pennsylvania offensive lineman JB Nelson uh, picks up an offer got to campus this weekend Sean and where have we seen this one play out before yeah, right. Uh, wrote about J.B. Nelson last week coming in. Just seemed to be some intrigue about uh, where he stood. And again, these junior college guys, He's he's got four years to play three. Um, so it's kind of a different situation where you're – is it four years to play three? Yeah, I think he's got four years to play three. Sorry, I'm, I'm doing math in my head, and that never works out for for good radio. Uh, so I apologize. But uh, yeah, he's got he's got some time left on his eligibility clock, which helps. He's a guy that came in, tested extremely well, um, still very raw, which you would expect from a junior college offensive lineman. Um, Penn State kind of been hit and miss with their junior college uh, acquisitions. Uh, you know, they've they've had a great relationship with Lackawanna, Paris Palmer. Probably unfair to judge that one harshly because of the the injury that he had, especially when he seemed to be coming into his own. Uh, Anthony Wigan has not really broken through yet, although he was uh, out there with the ones and twos in the spring. So that the the book very much is still very much out on Anthony Wigan, but Nelson seemed to to be a guy wherever he goes, kind of like Vandenberg, wherever he went, he went to West Virginia and worked out, was impressive. They offered, he went to Penn State, worked out, they offered. Uh, wants to go to Ole Miss again, and or excuse me, wants to go to Ole Miss, check them out. He's already got an offer from Ole Miss. Um, so this is another one where, 
I would think all the things kind of point Penn State's way. He's from the Pittsburgh area. He's from been to been to actually been to Penn State before on a junior day back in 2019. Um, so it's kind of all worked out for him. And and again, we felt bad for the junior college guys, but they seem to be making the most of it. Five Lackawanna products on the current Penn State roster. That includes a walk-on punter in Bradley King. You're looking at another Lackawanna addition, at least one next year with Tyrese Mills. We'll see if they double dip once again. That would be the third time in four cycles where they would sign multiple Lackawanna college players. Another offensive lineman who picked up an offer in the 2022 Classic High I caught up with on Monday night, Sean, Alessandro Lorenzetti, who is out of Montreal, Quebec, uh, but currently enrolled at the Loomis Chafee School in Windsor, Connecticut. That's a school to keep on your radar, Penn State fans. I think they have four guys now, with or three guys with Penn State offers, taking a long look there at the quarterback, Dante Reno, from the 2024 class that was on campus this weekend as well. But there, Loomis Chafee, he will be you know, coming up on a decision before he gets back to campus, essentially what he said, Sean. Uh, going back to, to the Chafee School in August, hopes to have a decision in July. Uh, Penn State is, is bookmarked for a trip, uh, going to be a two-day trip, 15th and 16th this month on official visit has official visits lined up to Michigan State, Virginia Tech, Duke and Vanderbilt. Um, so he is jamming and uh, like totally packing it in this month. I, I Again, one of those things where I just wonder how some of these recruits are going to get to the finish line and feel like they did enough or if they can make a decision. He seems like he wants to get there. Him and Troutwine have had you know, a lot of conversations leading up to this uh, offer. Um, he's a guy that they view as a versatile component. Tackle, guard, center. It's all on the table for him. Uh, he is uh, you know, a, a player who got some power five interest in Canada, realized he could get a lot more if he came to the States. We've seen this path play out for guys like Christian Veyer, uh, Jesse Lucetta in the past. And, and here he is kind of following that process. It, it, it ended up really ramping up his FBS options. Um, and he's a guy that I think is very high on Penn State. Um, and, and I would not be surprised at all if, if he continues that theme of, of, of Canadian prospects ending up with, with Penn State's classes. And uh, we got a little while to go here. He's going to have to, to check out some other schools. Penn State has other offensive linemen that they're conversing with. But this is one that didn't require a camp visit. I want to make that clear, Sean. A lot of schools requested that he would you know show up to camps or, 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 or you know do some private workouts. Didn't feel like he could log that many miles. And then a lot of this was based on virtual interactions, which, you know, kind of tells the tale of, of how a lot of Penn State's recruiting has gotten done of late. I think probably the most surprising thing is you you reached out to me and said, hey, can I get in touch with him or have I gotten in touch with him? And I said, no, he's Canadian. He's all <laughs> you. So that's I mean, that's really the 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 surprising thing to me is you weren't all over this one from the start, but actually Brian Doan wrote about him a couple of weeks ago. We could kind of see this offer uh, coming and, and, and taking uh, root. And I would not be surprised if this was a guy that came in for the 15th and 16th. I think there's a, a, a camp that he's planning on working out. If things go well at that camp, I could see him, you know, setting up an official visit quickly or, you know, potentially being a part of this class. I feel like Penn state has, has really, you know, established that relationship well. He's a big fan of Phil Troutwine. His coach, Jeff Moore, is uh, was actually the, the coach of uh, Tyler Rudolph at uh, at St. Thomas Moore. So very, very familiar with the Penn State staff. And I, I think just based off of his offer list, you know, Michigan State, Virginia Tech visits, Duke, Vanderbilt, um, says kind of says a lot about his, uh, you know, his, his academic standing there. Um, but at the same time, I think he really, really likes the package that Penn State presents with the uh, the, the balance of academics and athletics. 
Uh, that's one that, that Coach Troutwine will have a chance to kind of sink his teeth into a bit more once they get into person. Troutwine talking about the importance of, of meeting face-to-face. It's already resulted in an offer for J.B. Nelson. Uh, this one's still long distance. That will change in a matter of weeks, though, as Lauren Zetti gets to campus. He's keeping that fifth official visit in his back pocket, Sean, just to note that. Um, if Penn State is the pick, expect him back on campus in the fall using that official visit. Um, it's also some movement in the 2024 class. Both guys out of Virginia, one at IMG Academy, cornerback Desmond Ricks picks up an offer. He was on campus. A few IMG players were as well, a two on an official visit. And then offensive lineman Fletcher Westfall out of Virginia as well. I think he's listed 6'7", 280 plus. The picture told the story. Of the, you and Mark were, were over there and Grace Brennan as well, snapping a bunch of photos of these prospects they were on campus and this kid stood out and clearly uh did the same for the penn state staff yeah he's what yeah six seven and he's just a, a baby i mean he, you look at his picture um he, he looks like a young kid that grew really really fast but penn state like what they saw at camp they were able to to get him in work him out and i think that's a kid whose offer offer list is going to steadily climb over the next couple of years um as i said rick's out of virginia down in IMG, we've seen IMG collect a lot of talent. Drew Shelton's down there now, Penn State's commit. And a couple guys who were up for official visits, Keon Saab, considered the number one athlete in 24-7 sports rankings out of New Jersey. And then four-star running back, Katron Allen, out of Virginia. Um, he was also on campus. Uh, this is, a, again, a program that that it's only been around since 2013, but it is a, a one that you have to prioritize. Penn State has done a pretty good job with that. They've got a lot of offers out with that program. They've signed players out of there, Noah Kane. KJ Hamler, quarterback Michael O'Connor back in 2014. Um, the list of offers grows. And where do you think coming out of these visits, Saab, Allen, uh, is there something to hold on to for a Penn State fan in, in those recruitments? You know, Saab, I think I think his family's pretty well sold on Penn State. Um, it's just a matter of, of Keon's a very quiet kid. He's uh, obviously got his eye. And I think this is no surprise to our listeners. Clemson, Georgia have, uh, you know, his attention. Some other schools are getting a visit. I think A&M's getting a visit as well. So I think that one's going to be a tough one to crack right there. Um, I, probably the most pleasant surprise, Katron Allen is, uh, you know, seemed, seemed to be impressed. I know Steve Wilfong caught, him with, caught up with him a little bit after his visit. He's not a very talkative kid in terms of interviews and things like that. Um, so I think Penn State really impressed Katron Allen and and I, I hesitate to put in a forecast or anything like that because you're not sure where Penn State's going to at the end of the month where they're going to be with their running back recruiting of course got Nick Singleton coming in this weekend Omari and Hampton at the end of the month some other guys coming in um, you know later on in June um, so but I think Penn State really really helped themselves with Katron Allen this week it'll be interesting to see what what his next step is. Um, also happening on campus this weekend, we, we you know saw Ryan Brubaker get back and he was there in Beaver Stadium in late April for that last scrimmage that was opened up to the public. Um, back in town, a legacy kid. We talked about this, a four-star composite offensive line prospect. A lot of names to monitor on the offensive line, more incoming on the official visit. Ryan Brubaker was very active to start June, got out to Stanford, made that cross-country trip, returned to Pennsylvania, got to Happy Valley. And coming out of this one, Sean, um, reading Brian Doan's commentary and, and, and just kind of the reporting here, 
certainly doesn't seem like anything is signed, sealed, delivered uh, based on the legacy aspect. I, I think that that's probably been the case the entire time is you thought maybe, okay, there's a there's a scenario where he comes to Penn State, says, okay, this is where I'm meant to be, et cetera, et cetera, and, and shuts it down. I think the chances of that were still pretty small. Um, and he, he wants to see South Carolina. He wants to see Vanderbilt. He wants to see some of these schools down south. So um, I think that's probably the scenario that was most likely to play out. And it looks like it's going in that direction. By the way, he took a Stanford official visit and then came home, went straight to the Penn State official visit. So that, that kid's got to be tired this week, man. Uh, every, I think everybody who's has involved with college football recruiting is, is a little more tired than they were going into the week. And that includes you and Mark, who were camped out at, at Beaver Stadium and, and doing what you could to cover the event. Uh, just full transparency. We're not able yet to, to be on the field for these camps. We hope maybe that changes over the course of the summer. There's on, a lot on the still field, to come. On the field or in the building. That's the thing. We're standing out, yeah. out front with, uh, with cameras. So we're relying on folks that might be inside, might be watching, might be doing all that kind of stuff. And of course, we're catching up with a lot of players, a lot of updates on the site over the last couple of days. A ton of updates. And we should tell you, uh, Brian Doan's going to have more information on the newest Penn State commit, uh, Jordan Vandenberg. Uh, he's catching up with him tonight. We just heard that. So by the time you hear this podcast, the story will probably be up online. It's, it, it's already up. Don't it already is. Doan is fast. He's a pro. Um, when we come back here in the Lions 24-7 podcast, we'll wrap things up with some commentary on what this past weekend meant for Penn State commits, a little bit on the uh, search for a quarterback talent and offensive coordinator, Mike Yersich getting on the camp circuit with Penn State and our final our, our, we'll finish off with a five-star mailbag I should say uh, stay with Sean and I this is the Alliance 24-7 podcast introducing the two-way v4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance with fuel cell each step feels explosive delivering unparalleled energy return paired with fresh foam experience maximum comfort throughout the game its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, working our way through everything that's gone down in Penn State and recruiting and, and all that here on campus here in the last few days. We mentioned before the break uh, three official visitors. That is the smallest number you will see in terms of official visitors for weekends here throughout the month. But there were a ton of unofficial visitors on campus, including some notable targets in the 2022 class. Yeah, Keenan Nelson, the cornerback from uh, St. Joe's Prep in Philly, was a late addition to the weekend. And that's an interesting one because he was on campus on Sunday, came up with another teammate 
teammate who camped and he's going to be back this weekend for an official visit. So I like where Penn state stands. I've actually put in a, a pick on the 24 seven sports crystal ball for him kind of a, just in case he was, he was going to hop on board last weekend. He did not, but we know he wants to get to South Carolina. Check that out. Um, he's got a good relationship. They've done a really good job recruiting him in South Carolina, but I still feel like Penn State's in the driver's seat there. Uh, Sherrod Koval from Virginia was up. He's a 2022 uh, safety. He's got offers from everywhere. Penn State uh, you know, kind of got him a, a chance to put themselves in a position for an official visit. Seems like things going well there. I still don't think they're at the top of the list, but seem to be one of those schools that's sort of uh, sticking it out through the process. I know Clemson's very high on his list. He went to Ohio State after going to Penn State. He's high on them as well. So um, big competition there for Sherrod Koval. No Sean Murphy this weekend. I think we said that on the uh, uh, on the podcast last weekend that he was coming in with a bus trip that was going to all these SEC schools and then coming up to Penn State on Sunday. Shockingly, that did not happen. Um, they rescheduled for later in the month, um, his coach told me. So we'll see if that does happen. Then in the future classes, 2023, Alex Birchmeyer is a kid that's got some some crystal ball picks in for Penn State right now. Um, he, he was up on campus all weekend. Tamir Robinson, who we've talked about a bunch out of Pittsburgh. Uh, so a ton of talent on campus. As we mentioned, a lot of updates on the site over the last couple of days from, from Tyler, from myself, from Brian Doan, some uh, Steve Wilfong as well. So very busy weekend. It's kind of just getting started in June. And Sean, you just covered so much territory. I just have to remind myself, this was only the first weekend. We've got, you know, they're, they're coming into session now, and this summer is going to be wild to cover. Um, one thing we were looking forward to was the Penn State commits getting back to campus. It meant a lot to them. You've heard them on the podcast uh, during this th- these recent months. And about getting to this point, they finally were able to do that. It wasn't the, the huge group that we're going to see. It's going to be essentially a class reunion uh, later here in the month when they have official visits in the final week of June, but Caden Saunders, Drew Aller, Mackay Flowers, Ken Talley, Tyrese Mills commits on campus this past weekend. For Mills, it was his first trip to campus. You heard him on this podcast just a couple weeks ago. I caught up with him on Monday. I can tell you his enthusiasm has not dwindled since that conversation here on the podcast. Uh, Certainly motivated by his experience. It was his first time actually spending time in person with those Lackawanna safeties who went on to play at Penn State. Jaquan Brisker, Jair Brown, played some pick up basketball with guys. He was on campus all weekend long, Sean, from Friday into Sunday, and and that was alongside Sean Battle, a a 2023 defensive back target out of Philadelphia as well, and Ken Talley, who, as I mentioned, returning to campus uh, with this 2022 commit group. And one thing that I really took away from speaking with Caden Saunders, you spoke with with Drew Drew Adler. Both those guys were participants in camp action. I know Caden was really excited to work with Taylor Stubblefield. It's a relationship that has really evolves since Stubblefield took the job. Remember, they offered Saunders well before Stubblefield was the wide receivers coach here. They weren't able to meet in person until this past weekend. But I can tell you, Caden Saunders enjoying the quiet life right now. He says the texts are no longer coming in. He's not getting blown up by other college football programs because he put out that recruitment shutdown tweet. It has worked as he wished it would. And right now, he's just kind of locked in on his senior season and putting together a really strong class. I can tell you, speaking with some of these guys, Sean, I'm sure you have heard the same. They are coming back to campus for this final week of June on a mission to build this class. They've got some guys in their crosshairs. And if you talk to them, they feel like this class is going to be substantially bigger by 
the time mid-July rolls around. Yeah, and speaking Saunders, speaking of Saunders specifically, caught, uh, popped a couple four fours for the staff this weekend. Had a great camp. Uh, Drew Aller said he had a really good time throwing to him and Flowers. Ken Talley, a, a really good camp on the other side. We did not get to see, not that we got to see anybody, but uh, Mills did not camp. Malik McNeil was also up the big offensive tackle uh, from New York. Got a chance to work with Phil Troutwine. So uh, just a very busy big weekend. And I think it's kind of sets the table. It's always nice to have those things because you, you say, okay, you're bringing these guys in at the end of June for their official visits. And it'd be nice to get them on campus just to start to sort of uh, form that bond. You know, Jerry Cross was not there. A couple other guys, Anthony Ivy was supposed to come up, but he did not come up. Um, but it's a nice chance to build that bond, to get those guys comfortable around one another. And then sort of, it, it's sort of a pre-visit, you know, it's sort of an engagement for the, for their um, June 25th visit. And I think that's going to be a very busy one. You mentioned Saunders has some targets coming up uh, that weekend. So it's going to, it's going to be a lot going on. It, it feels like, uh, feels like it's not that far away, but considering how much action we've seen just over the first week of June, it's, it, it's probably probably going to feel uh, like a long time for us. I have a story up today uh, on Tuesday on Caden Saunders. You have a story up on Drew Aller. I'll have something up on Tyrese Mills in that conversation. We'll continue to to provide feedback from what these guys are seeing, what they're doing, because right now they are an extension of the staff. That's why it's so important to have them on the campus for these things. They can have the conversation with recruits. It's a different dynamic that's in play that hasn't been in play for this Penn State program or anyone else across the country uh, for a year and a half now. So to have these guys on campus helping the staff, nudging guys towards the commitment potentially uh, there, there's a lot to like about how that situation shapes up we've talked about before how Penn State exits that dead period in a really good spot with the foundation they've laid for 2022 um, one thing I found was interesting speaking of Drew Aller uh, Sean was the way some of these other quarterbacks I, I spoke with 2023 2024 guys and a few of them mentioned it was really cool to, to watch Drew Aller go about his business and, and kind of viewing him with this uh, you know, a bit of an aura of that blue chip elite 11 finalist, which, which we mentioned before, he's kind of built up, you know, a brand in the quarterback community among these prospects as a name to know. And so working with him and Mike Yersich was kind of a highlight for these, for these kids. Um, and there were a lot of them on campus. I mean, Mike Yersich had to be thrilled to, to be standing alongside Drew Aller on a football field and watching him throw the ball downfield and giving him feedback in live time been a long time to get to that point, but there was a lot of other quarterbacks in these drills, Sean, 2023 guys, 24 guys and junior college guys, as you reported a couple of them getting to campus, not just during the weekend, but into this week. Well, speaking to your point, I mean, with Drew Aller, that's the kind of clout that a rivals three-star brings to the table, I guess. So everybody's kind of awed by that. Um, but it, it's, it was, yeah, that that's kind of the measuring stick that we started out with Mike Yersich to see what kind of draw he would have. And all of a sudden, you know, Bo Edmondson from, uh, from Texas pops up on campus. And that's, that's not one that we expected. It's, I think Penn State had offered eight 2023 quarterbacks at that point. And Edmondson's one of them. Um, you mentioned JJ Cole from, from Iowa. He's got an Iowa state offer and, and really anybody in the 2023 or 2024 classes with an offer right now is kind of worth, worth watching. So it seems to be drawing in. We've, we've heard a couple other quarterbacks have, have made plans for June to work with Yersich, And I think it's kind of taken care of itself in that, uh, from that aspect. So very curious to see what this quarterback board looks like in the next couple of classes after June going into July, maybe they have, um, you know, a good turnout for the the final weekend in July, which will do the lash bash and they'll do the, uh, the other standout camps and things like that. But yeah, it seems like so far it's, it's, it's good returns and guys that really want to come 
and see Mike Yersich coach and, and potentially play for him. You mentioned Edmondson, one of the rare offers at quarterback um, offered uh, this spring. J.J. Cole and Drew Viado are a couple names I would keep tabs on in the 2023 class. Uh, both of them coming away, feeling like they're going to be uh, kept tabs on from Mike Yersich and the Penn State staff. No offers materializing. And then a 2024 name. I know you've got one that you spoke with, but I'll continue to say keep an eye on Dante Reno again at a Loomis Chafee uh, school in K- Connecticut. That's where you know you find Alessandro Lorenzetti, this new 2022 offensive line target. Same school, same program. He's reclassified upon a transfer. So he's 2024, 20, long distance here. He's starting to generate some power five offers. And, and I think he's a guy that based on his interactions with Yersich, and this has been kind of brewing for a couple months, getting there, throwing live, having a follow-up conversation, keep him on that radar if you weren't already. I'm going with uh, Ryan Puglisi from, uh, from right up the road in Massachusetts. Uh, this kid that uh, does not have an offer yet. Um, technically, I think Boston College is probably going to offer any day soon or any day here, but he has no high school tape whatsoever. Did not have a season last year because of COVID. Came out and just threw the lights out. And I think Penn State was really impressed by what he brings to the table. Wouldn't be shocked if he popped up on campus for another camp uh, later in the summer. Um, but that's that's my guy to, to take out of the Northeast. It's so so way too early to be talking about 2024 quarterbacks, but that's kind of the way the position is, has, has come along. And, um, you know, 2023, it almost seems like you've got a bunch of guys committed, uh, you know, in that class already, or a handful of guys committed in that class. And it only takes a couple of top level guys for those dominoes to start falling. Um, interested to see where the, where the board ends up, you know, where does Cameron edge who is transferring from DeMatha back to, to Smyrna, Delaware, um, Eli Holstein's a guy that they offered for out of Louisiana. He went to Ohio State and got a got an offer this week. And of course, Dante Moore from Martin Luther King in, in Detroit has been a guy that's been on the radar for a long time. So this uh, this quarterback board is going to continue to evolve. But I think they're going to see a lot of quality guys come through in, in, in June and July to, to get a closer look at uh, Mike Yersich. And we're talking long-term guys here, and it gets late early in quarterback recruiting, but what do you make of the the couple examples of junior college passers coming in, throwing for Yersich? So far to this point, no new offers, no new opportunities Penn State presenting based on what we understand, but what does that signify to you at this stage? just signifies they're looking for pretty much anything to try and make this this room a little bit deeper, especially we mentioned a little bit in the, earlier in the show about Jordan Vanderberg committing, coming in and and playing, or excuse me, joining the team right away. That could be a situation where they go to the junior college ranks. Uh, Nate Lance was in today to, to throw for them. Um, they had another one last week. So uh, it could be a situation where they're looking for immediate depth. They're looking for somebody that you know, can come in, probably not going to unseat Sean Clifford, but at the same time, you've got three scholarship quarterbacks in that room for this year. And that doesn't seem to be changing, um, you know, just uh, unless they would do something like this. The transfer portal has not been as fruitful as they would have hoped after the spring. Um, And, and right now that's, that's kind of an option that they have to explore. The transfer portal is a big topic of conversation that you'll hear on our next episode uh, with Andy Frank, uh, Penn State's player personnel director. So again, just want to tease that conversation one last time. And now let's get to our five-star mailbag to wrap up this episode. And this is a fun question, and it's in the spirit of the season here, Sean. What is the most impressive performance you've seen in a prospect camp setting? 
We're not restricting this to Penn State camps, although lately that's certainly where our focus has been. Um, I had a chance to be on the national camp circuit for a few years back before I joined Penn State. So I'm going to start there, Sean, and then I got a Penn State experience that I wanted to share um, and not going to be a surprise name. But a few guys to me that ended up at Alabama, Calvin Ridley at the 2014 opening finals was just truly unstoppable. He ended up making an Elite 11 finalist out of Blake Barnett, who went to Alabama then bounced around a few other schools, didn't really develop, but he was just targeting Ridley nonstop. And I think Ridley was already like 19 and a half at that time. He was an older senior to say the least, uh, but, but he validated every five-star the hype that was around him, number one receiver in the country. Now he's probably on your fantasy football team with the Atlanta Falcons, or you want him on your fantasy team. The other guy who went up at Alabama and just tore it up when I saw him was Tua Tagovailoa, uh, back of the 2016 Elite 11 Finals, first for four-day span in, in Los Angeles, and then for a week up, up at Nike's World Headquarters where the opening finals used to be. He was flawless. And and by the end of the thing, he had like everybody gravitating toward him. He had dozens of guys coming to his Bible study at the opening. And then he was out there dealing and he won Elite 11 MVP. Um, next thing we know, he was throwing the game winning touchdown as a true freshman at Alabama. So the legend of Tua Tagovailoa that developed in Tuscaloosa, a lot of its roots are in Hawaii, of course, but there was a stop along the way that I was able to see firsthand. And it was an extraordinary experience to see a quarterback prospect, not just show up and play that way, but have all these alpha dogs and all these blue chip recruits just kind of following and, 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 and waiting for his next move each, each and every day out there. I kind of went the opposite. I did go with just Penn state camps for the most part. I will say Brian Bressy was so incredibly talented and, and awesome. Every time I saw him hit his spin move in a camp setting probably shouldn't have worked as much as it did. But mm. from the time that kid was a, a sophomore to the time he was, he was done. He was just incredible um, going back. I mean, so they opened up camps for us. Uh, I guess Bill O'Brien's first year um, and really was different, just a different scenario than we were used to. I mean, usually, you know, you just heard about things maybe a couple of weeks after camp or something like that. Now you were getting involved and or not getting involved, but getting in there, getting photos and getting everything. And one of the first camps that I remember, Will Fuller stepped up. I think this was in 2012. Will Fuller stepped up and he did not have an offer at that point. But by the time he left, it, it was, there was no question he was going to be a big time uh, target for Penn State. Eventually did commit and then uh, recommitted uh, in, in that conversation, that infamous conversation with all the commits with with uh with bill o'brien and then flipped to notre dame later in the process um but yeah he was just incredible like just every and i'd seen him in camp before and he was good but he wasn't at that level um so that was just a just one of those special ones that step out uh, another one of those early camps Minka fitzpatrick was there um he was awesome as an underclassman and of course end up being a five-star kid being a first round pick and now is uh, is really good for the Steelers um that was a guy you, you don't say can't miss very often but like you saw that when he was I think he was a sophomore at that time um just was so awesome the one that I didn't see that everyone raves about at Penn State was John Reed and this is um I think he came up for this is before um not, maybe not before one day camps, but he came up for a couple of days, uh, did an overnight camp and he was phenomenal. I think going into his sophomore or junior season. And that's actually one that we wrote about 
uh, excuse me, that we wrote about after Bill O'Brien drafted John Reed, that he saw this camp performance and he was really high on him. Um, And then, of course, you got the Penn State guys, Micah Parsons coming out and playing receiver. We talked about that one on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, just schooling Kenny Bennett. In fact, uh, Mark Brennan sent us a picture a couple of weeks ago, or actually last week, about uh, Micah going up and playing receiver. I was like, oh, yeah, we just talked about that. He was he was awesome on that one. Uh, Chris Godwin was phenomenal at camp. Ryan Bates was really good. Michael Mennett was uh, awesome when he was, I think he camped every year and every year he just got better. Um, Curtis Jacobs, you know, flashed that five-star potential. Tight end is always really interesting because it's either a position where it's got some a, a large concentration of absolute dudes or it's got pretty much nothing. Um, Mike, uh, excuse me, Pat Fryermuth was was really good at the whiteout camp a couple of years ago. There was one camp that Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson were working together and they look like, um, you know, they look like big time potential guys and they both got their offer that day, um, tested really well, did everything really well. So um, there were a couple of Penn State guys that stuck out. Of course, Caleb Williams, everybody knows I'm a big Caleb Williams fan and I have been since he was a freshman and I saw him in camp. Um, and I was looking through my old camp stuff because I went down this rabbit hole um, as we were prepping for this and I took way too long to, to look at this one. But Penn State had Darnell Savage on campus. They were He worked out as a, uh, what, a running back and a receiver and eventually was a first round pick as a safety for the Green Bay Packers, it's it's fun to to go back. And I knew he had camp, but I could, I didn't remember the specifics of it. It was fun to look back and say, okay, there's a future first round pick who came out and thought he was going to be a running back, thought he was going to be a receiver. So those are the cool things that that you sort of unearth when you go back and look at these things in 2013, 2014, what have you. By the way, Minka Fitzpatrick, who was a great pick by you, was probably the only defensive back who stood a chance against Calvin Ridley out at the opening that year. Naturally, they were teammates in the same recruiting class going to Alabama. That's the way of the world with Nick Saban in it right now. Uh, But yeah, Minka Fitzpatrick was outstanding. Um, One more for New Jersey special, because I got to mention a Jersey guy. Rashawn Gary was absolutely dominant pretty much every time I saw him in 2014 and 2015. He's a guy that whenever he showed up, you you had to watch him because there was just no lineman on either side of the ball as ready to go to college as he was didn't materialize for him the way I thought it would at Michigan but at the end of the road he was a first round pick he's getting paid a lot of money by the Green Bay Packers um, and and the best prospect I saw while on the Rutgers recruiting staff was Janoris Jenkins I almost forgot about this one we had a bunch of kids from Paoki High School up one summer for for a, a week long camp in a seven on seven deal, and Janoris Jenkins was just flat out the the best defensive back prospect I had seen at that point, and probably for a long time afterwards at the high school level. And he went on to to obviously make a ton of money at the NFL. And Micah Parsons, I mean, if I'm I got to point out one guy from Penn State that I've seen covering the team since 2017, it would be that seven on seven tournament in 2017, and it was just so much going into it. it you know, set against the backdrop of Beaver Stadium, Sean, you got Parsons up. He had decommitted from the program, I don't know, six, seven weeks prior. So there was like this kind of tension in the air, a little bit of iciness in the air. Michael wasn't really excited to talk about recruiting with reporters at that time either. Um, and <laughs> at that <was> time. <laughs> 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 and, and anyone who remembers what Penn State's Twitter looked like at that point probably remembers Micah Parsons was uh, a bit of a target at that point. He wasn't afraid to chop it up as well. So all that in play, it's my first time covering one of these kind of events at Penn State. All he does is go out there, 
play wide receiver, play defensive back, wins MVP of this entire tournament. Harrisburg wins the championship. James Franklin hands in this MVP trophy. And you're just wondering, is he going to come back and play for Penn State? Is he going to come back to that stadium in a different uniform and play against Penn State? Everything was up in the air and on the table at that point for Michael Parsons recruitment. And he just went out there and he balled out. Well, that's funny because like that, that same kind of scenario happened, what, two years later where Julian Fleming's out there and Julian Fleming's doing awesome things, a tremendously talented kid. And I don't remember if you were there or not, but just looking at the field and seeing the, the tension in that conversation between James Franklin and I'll James never Fleming forget it yeah. was, Oh, that was something. So um, yeah. So you, you didn't quite get the, uh, the outcome there, but it was kind of the same, same thing. That's, that's kind of the cool things that you look to when you go to camps and especially the prospect camps. Um, and it, you know, it's kind of different when you go to, under armor or opening or, or something like that, there's probably a higher concentration of kids that you're looking at. Um, and, and when you do the prospect camps, there's just a handful for whatever given date is out there. So you, you pick up on the little things like that. You, you, you see the, the kind of uh, uh, the kind of interactions between players, between coaches and, and things like that. And that's kind of what makes these, these performances pretty memorable. Well, get us going on camps. We can talk forever, uh, but it's that it's we get to do it again, Sean. We get to talk about prospect camps. Hopefully, we'll get to see them ourselves. But for now, we'll rely on uh, feedback and, and reporting and the information that that our team at twenty four seven Sports and Lines twenty four seven has been able to do. Starting with yourself, um, a lot on Lines twenty four seven dot com right now. For those of you who jumped on with our latest subscription push, and we are among network leaders for adding subscriptions. Welcome to the party. For those of you who have been with us, hope you've enjoyed the coverage. We got a lot more coming your way here in June into the summer. And as mentioned, Sean, finally, and without further delay, Andy Frank, uh, Director of Player Personnel for Penn State, will be on with us next episode. We promise. Yeah, yeah, we're talking visits in June. We're talking uh, name, image, and likeness. We're talking Kalen King. We're talking a little bit of everything um, with with Andy. It was fun. I'm not sure actually exactly how long it ended up, um, but it was very informative conversation. We're gonna more time than I ex- than than he needed to give us on a week like this. I will say um, that. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm not surprised if he would have left that interview, gone back, and fell asleep in his office because he's uh, they've been putting in the hours that recruiting staff. So um, hopefully, you guys enjoy that. We'll build our next episode around that one. Yeah. Uh, give it the time that it deserves. And, and hopefully we gave Jordan Vanderberg and all the other uh, topics that we covered uh, enough, uh, en- enough time uh, this evening. Well, we appreciate everyone for listening. And, and as we, you know, the narrative is changing. We are talking recruiting as it evolves and as it comes our way and it is no longer stagnant and it is a beautiful thing. We will talk about uh, next weekend a little bit, look ahead as we confirm more visitors. And as you, as we said, Andy Frank on the next show as well. Stay with us, subscribe on anywhere you find your podcast. Apple Podcasts is where you can find our mailbag. Drop your five-star rating and review and your question right there. We'll get to it on a future episode. On behalf of Sean, I am Tyler. Thanks for listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it 
in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.